Welcome to Fervent Church Online. We're so grateful that you joined us this morning. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 this morning. We're going to be looking at some um, incredibly encouraging yet incredibly um, serious scriptures as Jesus is going to tell us what following him looks like. And so I'm going to begin in chapter 8 in verse 27. It says this, it says, Jesus went out with his disciples to the village of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? They answered him, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. Now, I want you to pay attention here because these questions are the most important questions that anybody could ever ask you. And your answer will determine where you spend eternity. Your answer will have an effect on your life. And the way that you answer these questions and the importance of these questions will cost you something. And so, anyways, verse, uh, verse 31. Then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and after three days, excuse me, and, after, and rise after three days. And I want you to notice a couple things here. The Son of Man is to suffer, he's going to be rejected, and he's going to be killed. But the good news is he's going to raise from the dead. Amen. So he spoke openly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, I don't recommend anybody here rebuking God. It's not a good idea. And it doesn't usually turn out very well. Right. But turning around and looking at his disciples. Notice he I mean, this is so important to Jesus. It's so significant to Jesus that he turns around and makes sure all these guys hear him rebuke Peter. I'd be in a serious, embarrassing moment, wouldn't you think? He rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but about human concerns. Or you're not thinking about the things of God, but the things of man. And in verse 34, he says, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Verse 35, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me, and I want you to notice this too, underline it, circle it, and the gospel will save it. So for Jesus and his gospel, his gospel is very important to him. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life or lose his own soul? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is truth. I thank you that you give it to us, Lord, for a plumb line, Lord, and, and, and this exhortation that we see here today. The seriousness of your words 
what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a fervent, faithful follower of Jesus Christ. You lay it out for us, Hardin, and, and the road's not easy. The way of the cross is hard. But Lord, you went there first and you showed us, Lord, how to, how to do it, Lord, how to, how to follow you, how to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow you. And so we open up the eyes of our understanding this morning that we would see wondrous things in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I do want to say happy Mother's Day to all you beautiful mothers out there now. So Jesus asked these important questions. He asked these questions, the, the, the greatest question that it was ever asked. Who do people say that I am? And of course, the disciples answer. They say, some think you're John the Baptist. Some think you're Elijah. Some of you think uh, you're this great prophet. And it, th this question has to be answered, right? And you hear all kinds of things about Jesus. You hear some people say, uh, well, some people say you're a great philosopher. You're a great man. You're, you're a prophet. You're a great leader. You're a moral teacher, right? People say all kinds of things about Jesus. But the important thing is, is who does Jesus claim that he is? You see, because Jesus claimed that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, and I mean nobody, gets to the Father, but by Him. And here's the reality. The reality is, is Jesus left heaven as part of the triune Godhead, fully God, fully man. He leaves heaven. He leaves the glory of heaven and the splendor of heaven and the awesomeness of heaven to become a man and to die for you and me, to die for our sins so that we could have eternal life and spend eternity with the Father. Now, I love what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, for this reason, God, for what reason? Because God, Jesus humbled himself and became a man, left the glory of heaven and became a man. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that under the, so that as the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen, you will make a decision. Who does Jesus, I mean, who do I say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Who does Jesus say that? I mean, this is so important, guys. You have to get this answer right because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you can think he's a moral teacher. You can think he's a philosopher. You can think he's a great man. You can even think he's a prophet. But if you don't believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he is God manifest in the flesh, it will cost you. I love what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis was one of the, the greatest authors that ever lived. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and the Screwtape Letters, and he was a distinguished professor at Oxford. He writes this, and he writes this, he says this. He said, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a, uh, would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on, the, on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell himself. You must choose. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. 
You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. And Josh McDowell in his book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, sums it up. He says, either Jesus is a liar, a lunatic, or he's telling the truth. And you have to decide. You have to answer the question, not, not just who, do, uh, who, who does everybody else think I am, but who do you say that I am? You see, the Muslims, the Muslims believe that he was a great prophet and that he's coming back, but they don't believe that, uh, that he rose from the dead or he was crucified. And they, they don't believe he's God. The Hindus believe that he's one of millions of gods. Okay, The Jews believe, depending on what camp you're in, that he was a prophet and a great teacher, or some others believe that he was a cult leader and a heretic. The Mormons believe that God the Father was this immoral, this immortal man in the flesh who had had sex with Mary and had Jesus, and that uh, uh, Jesus had a brother and his name is Lucifer. And one day that Jesus and Lucifer bring these two ideas to. Uh, God the Father, a mortal man in the flesh, right? They bring it, bring it to God the Father, and they both have this plan of salvation for mankind, and, and God the Father accepts Jesus' plan or rejects Lucifer's plan, and then Lucifer rebels and takes a third of heaven with him. Um, and they also believe that Jesus is simply our elder brother and um, the first of God's children to become God himself. The Jehovah Witnesses believe, they believe that Jesus is Michael the Archangel. The atheist doesn't believe in Jesus at all. The agnostic believes in God, but not too sure about this Jesus person. But who do you say that Jesus is? Because that's where the rubber meets the road, my friends. I mean, if we look at the scriptures, who who does God say that Jesus is? Who does God the Father say that Jesus is. Well, for starters, he said, when Jesus was baptized, he said this, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. At the Mount of Transfiguration, you guys remember, he takes Jesus, Jesus takes John and James and um, Peter up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he's transfigured and he's glorified and he's, he's up there talking with Moses and Elijah and, and all of a sudden out of heaven, you hear the words, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. So God the Father calls God the Son his son. Okay, Jesus' words and miracles. What do they say? You know, Jesus himself said, you know, um, in John 3, 16, he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I've said it before, in, uh, earlier. Uh, nobody gets to the Father but by me. John 11, he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He also says in John that, 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 that he's living water. I mean, Jesus very clearly told us that he was the Messiah, the one to come. And so many different changed lives, life after changed life, tell of who Jesus is. John the Baptist, John the Baptist himself said that Jesus, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So who do you say 
that Jesus is. Now, Peter answers it and gets it right. Let's look at it in verse 29. He says this, he says, But you, he asked him, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah, or you are the Christ. In Matthew 16, verse 16 and 17, which is the correlating passage, he says this, he said, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus' response, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Blessed. If you get this answer right, you're blessed. And he says this, he goes on to say, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that he is fully God, fully man. I believe that he came and died for my sins so that I can have a, a relationship with God the Father, that I can be forgiven of my sins and no longer be under the wrath of God and the judgment of God and enter into and become a children, a child of God. And so who do you say that Jesus is? Guys, this is so important that we get this right. Peter is blessed. And if you want to be blessed by God, you must believe that Jesus is who he says he is, period, the end. You know, I, I mean, guys, let me, let me just tell you this. It doesn't matter what your parents say. It doesn't matter what your college professor says. It doesn't matter what your friends say. It doesn't matter what your professor says. It doesn't matter even, even um, your f friends. It doesn't matter what book you read. It doesn't matter even what's going on in your mind. It, the only thing that matters is what God says about his son, Jesus Christ, and about what Jesus says about himself. And so you have to get this right. Everything is hanging on the answer to this question. You're going to have to make the decision. One day you will be standing before Almighty God, and you know the question he's going to ask you. He's going to say, what did you do with my son? And if you say, well, I don't know your son, he's going to say, get away from me. I never knew you. And he's going to separate you from the sheep, from the goats. And you're going to be a, a spend eternity separated from a righteous, holy, living God. And man, I just don't want anybody, anybody watching to have to go through that ever. Now, don't get this wrong. Now, um, real quickly, I, I have a cool, not a really cool story, but I, was at, I went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and I had this psychology teacher. And um, she spent the first week of class, three, five days, explaining away the, the existence of God. And the sad thing is there were some good kids in that class that were raised in a Christian home. And I was partying and I wasn't following Jesus, but I knew that what that lady was saying was not true. Okay. And she tried to spend, uh, she spent a whole week of class uh, tearing down and trying to destroy uh, that Jesus didn't exist and, and if you're a Christian, you're a fool and on and on it went and man, she got it wrong. And the sad thing is, is she persuaded some good kids that were raised in a Christian home uh, to believe her as well. Now, verse 31, I'll read verse 31 to you. It says this, Then he began to teach them, that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, and to be killed, and 
rise after three days. And he spoke openly about this. Peter took him aside and rebuked him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Now, you gotta love Peter, right? I mean, God's gonna do some cool stuff through Peter. He's gonna turn the whole world upside down. Peter's gonna be one of the greatest men that have ever lived. Peter's gonna write some First uh, Peter and Second Peter, and he's gonna dictate the book of Mark that we're reading now to Mark as John Mark writes it down. And so, now in defense of Peter, right? All his life he'd been taught the Messiah was going to come and vindicate Israel and rescue and deliver Israel. And and the the Messiah was going to be a warrior king that would destroy all of Israel's uh, enemies. So you got to give Peter a little slack here. But Jesus doesn't cut him any slack. I mean, look what he said. He says, get behind me, Satan. Here's Here's the deal, guys. The cross of Jesus Christ the, the, the torture, the suffering, the sins of the world being poured out upon the cross, the wrath of God being poured out upon the cross, the, the judgment of God and the anger and fierceness of God being poured out upon Jesus upon that cross means everything to God. And it meant everything to Jesus because Jesus's kingdom was going to be completely different. He was going to be born in a manger, not a castle. He was going to be rejected, not embraced. He was going to be tortured and killed, not rich and blessed and sitting on an earthly throne. And Peter missed it. And and what Jesus was saying here when he says, get behind me, Satan, is, is anytime that somebody comes up against the way of the cross, against the 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 rejection of the Christian faith, people rejecting you and suffering and being killed for your faith. Any, anytime anybody comes up against the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus gets upset. Jesus doesn't like it. Otherwise, why would he say, get behind me, Satan? Get behind me, Satan. Now, Jesus is not happy with Peter's response and and God's not happy with Jesus' response. And, and Jesus wants to confirm that the way of the cross is hard and it's going to involve dying. It's going to involve suffering. So, guys, I want you to beware that at any time anybody tells you that, that, that Christianity is... Uh, listen, Christianity is not for sissies. It is hard. Following Christ is the hardest thing that I have ever done. And so beware when somebody tells you that the Christian walk does not include the way of the cross. Beware. Watch out for those that would tell you that your happiness, your comfort matters more to God than dying to self, than suffering. Beware of somebody that tells you, hey, you know what? God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be blessed at all costs. It's okay to get out of the will of God. It's okay as long as you're happy. And I hear preachers say that it's preaching this. Preachers tell, saying this. And it's not true. That, that living for yourself, self-gratification, self-affirmation, selfishness, self-will is not the way of Jesus Christ. And he proved it to us on the cross. And so what was Peter communicating? Peter was communicating this. It's okay to ignore the will of God 
whenever it involves suffering. It's okay to ignore the will of God anytime it involves hardship. It's okay to ignore the will of God when it involves a cross. Get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God, but only the things of man, only of human concerns. You know, it, it never ceased to amaze me when I was in Bible college. Kids, you know, after we graduated, there was a lot of kids that were feeling called to some really hard areas in the Middle East and, and Asia and China and different places where um, Christians were being persecuted. And I can, you know, well-meaning Christian parents, look, they would say something like this, or they just even just feel called to the mission field in Mexico or wherever. Look, you know what? We, 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 we helped you get through Bible college. We put up with it. You know, well-meaning Christian parents. But now it's time to make something of yourself. Now it's time to, to get in a four-year college and get a real degree and get a real job and, and, and you know, they, they grab the bull by the horns and, and go out there and conquer the world and, and make something of yourself. And, 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 and you know, because, because going to be a missionary is hard. You're never going to have anything. You're never going to be anything. And, and, it, and it breaks my heart. That parents would tell their kids, look, forsake the will of God, forsake the call of God, forsake the word of God, forsake the purposes of God. Forget about all those things. Forget about picking up your cross and denying yourself and following Jesus Christ. Guys, you got to watch out. God is not so much concerned with your happiness as he is his will. Well, I see it in marriages, right? You know, hey, you know what? This marriage is hard. This marriage is difficult. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of this, this marriage. After all, God wants me to be happy. And this man's been that same way for 20 years. He's not going to change. And, and your friends are encouraging. Yeah, you deserve it. Get out of this thing. You know, your kids will be all right. Everything will be okay. And I've even had people tell me that oh, I was in pray, prayer this morning and God said that I could leave him. Guys, <laughs> get behind me, Satan. <laughs> You are not thinking about God's concern, but human concerns. And you hear it all the time. And then you have well-intentioned people, you know, your friends and family members, co-workers, even so-called, and I say this very firmly, so-called Christian counselors that say that, that when you don't have any biblical basis, go ahead, it's okay, get out of that marriage, you know. Jesus wants you to be happy after all, Right? You know, get out, you know, God's will and the path of Jesus and, and God's path of suffering and hardship and difficulties and dying. You know, you don't, need to, you don't need to go that path. He wants you to be comfortable, right? He wants you to be happy. Get behind me, Satan. You're not concerned with the things of God, but the things of man. Now, I mean, guys, our purpose, our plan, our comfort, our will are not more important than God's purpose and God's will and God's plan and God's happiness for our lives. We, we, we have to grab a hold of it. I mean, you see different, it could be in any scenario. It could be at the office, you know. You're not getting the promotion you need and everybody's getting promoted around you because they're leaving their families and they're whining and dine, dining their clients and they're, and they're fudging numbers and they're lying and cheating a little bit and, and they're, they're getting, doing whatever it takes to get ahead and, you know, everybody's encouraging you, you know, hey, you know, it's okay. You know what? This is how you get promoted. This is how you get ahead and, and you get tempted. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind, 
Don't forsake the will, the call, the purpose, and the word of God. Don't listen to it. And maybe it's a relationship, you know. But Garrett, you don't understand. He's cute. He's got his whole life mapped out. He's got a great job. I know he doesn't, I know he doesn't know Jesus, but I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm a missionary, and so I'm gonna marry him and I'm gonna try to try to lead him to Christ and, and get behind me, Satan. But Garrett, she's cute. She's pretty. She's got it all together. You know, she meets my needs, but she doesn't know Jesus. I'll lead her to Christ. That doesn't matter. Get behind me, Satan. Listen, your happiness is not more important than the will, the call, the purpose, and the word of God. And by the way, you're not going to be happy anyways. Uh, I, you know, I, I've counseled so many couples that just totally rejected uh, the word of God, you know, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. I've canceled so many of them. And now, you know, now he gets hostile when I try to take the kids to church. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I told you not to marry the guy. Okay, well, let's pray for him now. I mean, what else, what else are you going to do, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> you get to the point where you just, whatever, right? Don't quit when the cross comes, guys. The death and the suffering and the pain the cross, the way of the cross is never easy. But we got to keep telling ourselves, God, it's not our will, but your will. Friends, do you think Jesus was comfortable hanging on the cross for you and me? My friends, do you think Jesus enjoyed hanging on that cross? Do you think he was happy hanging on that cross? No, and that's why he gets so upset with Peter. Peter was saying, look, you don't need to suffer, Jesus. You don't need to be rejected, Jesus. You don't need to go to the cross, Jesus. You don't need to be tortured, Jesus. Right? That's not the way. But now, guys, don't you know that your life is not your own? You were bought with a price. Glorify the Lord in your body. You know, how many of you want to experience all that God has for you. Let's look at verse 34. Verse 34 says this. It says this. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if any of you wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospels will save it. I want you to look at three things here in this verse, in verse 34. It says this, it says, number one, we see deny himself. That's surrender, friends. Okay, number two, we see take up his cross. That's die. Okay, that's, the cross involves suffering. The cross involves, look, Jesus had his back ripped out of his head. He had a crown of thorns shoved on his head. He had his beard ripped out of his face. He was punched in the face. He was spit on. He had his hands nailed to a cross. He had his feet nailed to his cross. I mean, this involved suffering. Take up his cross. So when Jesus says, look, deny yourself, that's surrender. Then he says, take up your cross, that's die. And then the last thing he says, follow me. That's obedience. That's abiding in Christ. It is not easy. The way of the cross, the way of following Jesus will always, if you're truly following him, cost you something. If nothing else, your time, your resources, your talents, rejection. If you're preaching the gospel, guys, you're going to be rejected. People are going to get hostile. It's not going to be easy. Now, I love what Jim Elliott said. You remember the missionary Jim Elliott? He was called to this uh, tribe down in this Amazon tribe in, the, in South America. And 
um, they were cannibals and they'd never heard the gospel. And he, uh, him and a couple other guys went down there and they landed their plane. They get out and they try to love on these people and these, these natives. They kill them. They, they kill them. But Jim Elliott, a couple years before, had said this. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Let me repeat that. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is another one. He wrote the, wrote the book, The Cost of Discipleship. When he wrote the book, he didn't know he was going to pay with his life. He had resisted the Nazis and he'd stood up for Jesus Christ and the Nazi had put him in a concentration camp. And a few days before he was rescued, before the Allied troops marched in to the, to the concentration camp where he was, they took him out and they hung him. They hung Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But one of the quotes that he had in The Cost of Discipleship was this. When Christ calls a man... He bids him come and die. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Richard Wormbrand, another uh, godly man, he was, uh, the communists took over Romania. They uh, made, told everybody they needed to renounce Christ. If they renounced Christ, they could be free. If they didn't renounce Christ, they were going to throw him in jail. So he took Pastor Richard Wormbrand and they put him uh, in a dungeon cell with uh, many other Christians underneath the, the town of Bucharest. And they would torture him day and night. They would constantly torture these guys. And many of them died being tortured. But I love this, what he says about happiness here. For the gospel, remember, it says that in verse 35. It says, "For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. Listen to this. He says, it was strictly forbidden to preach to other prisoners. It was understood that whoever was caught doing this received a severe beating. A number, of us, a number of us decided to pay the price for the privilege of preaching the gospel. So we accepted the communist terms. It was a deal. We preached and they beat us. We were happy preaching. They were happy, happy beating us. So everyone was happy. I love that, right? I, but two of these guys paid with their life and another guy paid for 14 years where he was separated from his family and his children because he refused to denounce Christ's name. And it says that here. It's, he was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It said the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. What, what will we be ashamed of? Verse 38, it says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this righteous, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. Guys, this is serious business. This gospel thing is serious business. But Richard, Richard, all you have to do is denounce Christ and you'll be drinking beer and eating pizza with your family by nightfall. All you have to do is just, you know, come on. Did Jesus really want you to suffer for his namesake? Just, just don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. Your happiness is more important, Richard. Just denounce Christ and they will let you go. So many in the church today, so many in the church live self-dominated lives. They're not willing to stand up for Jesus and his gospel. <laughs> uh, I mean, 
every time things just get a little hard in their lives, they, they just turn and walk away. And the Bible says that we're to be living sacrifices, living sacrifices for Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I'll read the verse to you. Romans chapter 12, verse one, it says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, the, the fact that you've been forgiven and redeemed and bought with a price. I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to the sage, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. Die. Be a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to the world. Forsake the world. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul, his own life? The problem with being a living sacrifice is this. You build the altar and you set the rocks in the right place and you, you pile the wood up on top and you, know, you got all this wood sticking every which way and you, you climb up on the altar and you lay down on the altar and you, oh, it's, oh, it's so uncomfortable and all the sticks are poking you everywhere and then somebody comes along and lights it. What's the first thing most American and Western Christians for that matter do? They jump right off the altar. Gary, you don't understand. The sticks were poking me. It got hot. But guys, what does a dead man do? If I take a guy and I, I kill him and I bring him and I, and I lay him right out here in front of all of us and I pour lighter fluid on him and I light him on fire, what does he do? What does the dead man do? Nothing. I kick him and I hit him and I'm beating on him. And I, well, what does the dead guy do? What does the dead guy do? Absolutely nothing. You see, a living sacrifice is somebody that lives daily dying. A living sacrifice is somebody who gives up his rights to be right. Paul continues in some more awesome verses about what we're supposed to be. He says this in Galatians 2.20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? What does crucifixion mean? It means torture, beatings, death. Arms stretched out, nails pierced through your hands. I mean, it, it, it's, it's nothing nice, right? I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And if Paul, and if Paul uh, wasn't sure that you got it, he adds this, and gave himself for me. Jesus denied himself. He picked up the cross and he died. For you and for me. That, that scripture equals death. It's a continuing laying down of the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I and picking up our cross and denying ourselves and following hard after Jesus Christ. Galatians 4, uh, excuse me, Galatians 6, 14 says this, but as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. Guys, Paul doesn't give us very much wiggle room in those three verses, does he? I mean, as much as you want to jump off uh, the altar, there is, uh, I mean, the way of the cross is not easy. You know, people tell me, ah, yeah, Garrett, you know, when I first got saved, all my buddies, my party, but I don't need that crutch. Heck, I don't need a crutch. I need a wheelchair. 
I mean, man, you know, and Paul is saying he's done living for himself. He's died to himself. He has crucified himself. And now I'm going to follow Jesus. And this, guys, is where the life of blessedness is. You want to be blessed. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Surrender. Die and obey. And watch what happens in your life. There was a uh, 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 Italian soldier, the guy that uh, took a thousand men and united all of Italy. And became, when Italy became a, a nation, his name was Giuseppe uh, Garibaldi. And when he was getting these men, he put out a, a this awesome um, uh, thing in the newspaper for everybody to read to see what was going on. I want to read it to you. It says this. And this is his call, right? His call to the for these men to follow him. He says. I offer neither pay, nor quarters, nor food. I only offer hunger, thirst, forced marches, battles, and death. Let him who loves his country with his heart and not merely with his lips follow me. I would twist that around a little bit and say this. I'd say, let those who love Jesus with all their hearts and not merely with their lips. Pick up their cross, deny themselves, and follow Him. Because following will cost you something. Look at Paul's testimony. I'm going to read this to you. Close your eyes and just listen to this. This is so important. It says this. It says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22, it says, what he was getting blasted. People were coming up against him. He had been pouring his life out for the gospel's sake. And he says, then for Jesus' sake, he says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I am a better one with far more labors, many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death. Listen to this. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. 39 lashes with a cat of nine tails across his back. Not once, not twice, not three. Five, five, five times, right? Five times I received the lashes minus one. 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. They would take bamboo rods and, 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 and willow rods and whip the back of your legs and the, your buttocks and the back of your lower back and, and even slap you across the neck and the head. Uh, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I, I have spent a night and day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, danger in the wilderness, dangers at sea, danger among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, and without clothing. Not to mention the other things, the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the church. Sign me up. Give me, a, give me a pit. Where do I sign up for that? I mean, could you imagine? Paul is saying here, look, guys, it is about denying yourself. It is about being crucified to the world, being crucified with Christ. No longer you living, but Christ living through you. I love Paul's mission statement in Philippians 3.16. 
I mean, 3.10, it says this. My goal is to know him, number one. Number two, this is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. Number two, the power of his resurrection. Number three, the fellowship of his suffering. And number four, being conformed to his death. Does your relationship with Jesus mean more to you than anything that this world has to offer. You guys, let me tell you this. There was a king. His name was Charlemagne. You've heard of him, king of the Franks. He had conquered all of Europe, a great military leader. He was buried underneath a great cathedral, and he was buried in a tomb. It was a, a tomb. And Emperor Otto, about 200 years later, accidentally stumbled upon uh, Charlemagne's tomb. And Charlemagne was sitting on his royal throne, awesome throne. He, he had a ground, uh, gold crown on his head with all the, the jewels and his rings on his finger and gold and silver and, and st- everything was everywhere and he was sitting there. But on his lap opened was a Bible. And it had in the Bible, it was pointing to this scripture. It was open to this page right here. Calling the crowds together with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospels will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? What can anyone give in exchange for his life. Wow. Wow. There was also this tribe. And the thing about this tribe was, is you could become king for seven years. And while you were king of this tribe for seven years, you could have all the women, all the money, all the power, all the position, all the prestige that you could possibly have. There was one catch though. Every seven years, at the end of seven years, the tribe would take you out and kill you. But during that seven years, you can indulge in anything that you possibly wanted. And you know what? There was no shortage of volunteers. Matter of fact, when it came time to be king, people would line up saying, I want to be that person so I can have power and prestige and money and everything this world has to offer. Wow. I mean, think about that for a minute. Yet what good would it be for a man to gain the whole world yet lose his own soul? That's powerful. That's amazing. That's crazy. Guys, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Lay down your will your want, your desires, and everything else this world has to offer. Pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. Because guys, I got news for you. Only that dash between your your name will matter for all eternity. And I know you want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant good and faithful servant and enter into eternal happiness and eternal bless blessedness and eternal bliss 
My, my name, Garrett Grobner. I was born 19, June 17, 1965. And there's a dash. And there's a, a pointed time where I'm going to die. And only that thing that I did for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I, where I laid down my life, picked up my cross and followed him and lived for the gospel of Jesus Christ will matter. That's it. Nothing else will matter. Spend your life and everything you have and are for the gospel of Jesus Christ. My friends, you will never regret it. Amen? And wait till you hear those blessed words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. And remember, you are known and loved. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Thank you that... Um, God, that we know we don't have to be ashamed of you, that you promise to give us power, that um, you promise to give us your peace and your joy and your strength. You are our strong refuge in our tower. And Lord, I know these are hard scriptures for somebody, some people uh, watching today. But I pray that you would, that you would challenge all of us, Lord, to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow you, that we would give up our rights to be right. We would live as living sacrifices, that we would crucify ourselves daily and follow you. Do a work in our hearts. Lord, I pray for those that are watching and listening, Lord, that don't know you, that they would surrender themselves to you, that they would give their lives to you, that they would believe the question, who do you say that I am? Lord, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that they would begin a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.